Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content, events and training platform providing PR and marketing strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. It's ideal for small business owners, including authors, artists and creatives on a budget who understand the value of getting yourself or your vegan brand featured regularly in the media, but can't afford to spend thousands of dollars or pounds a month to hire a publicist or PR firm. With Vegans in the Limelight, you get access to online video training that takes you through every step of how to get media coverage that can help you generate more leads and sales, as well as grow your email list and social media following. So we cover how PR and social media work in tandem, how to research and target the media without spending a cent, how to find the stories in your vegan brand on a regular basis, how to approach journalists the right way with ideas and stories. That's a really important one. How and when to write a media release. How to create an online media room for your website without spending heaps of time or money. How to respond to journalists' call-outs or queries, which is the easiest and quickest way to get media coverage and free publicity content marketing and PR, so how to create your own shareworthy stuff and leverage it to the max, writing and content creation tips for opinion pieces, listicles, features and columns, speaking gigs and PR, so how to leverage events to gain media coverage, and interview tips for print, online, radio and TV. Now, as well as the video training, which you go through at your own pace over 12 months, the program also includes a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live Q&A call. You can also post your questions throughout the year on the learning platform, and you can post your pitches and media releases and get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses. And it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, coaches, and creators. Current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows, as well as blogs and podcasts. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but don't have the budget to hire a publicist or PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enroll. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the program Vegans in the Limelight. And there's also a link on the show notes page. And if you have any questions about the program, including whether it's right for you, feel free to email me at katrina at veganbusinessmedia.com. Now for the main part of the show. 
In this episode, I interviewed Jonathan Petridis, aka JP, from All Plants, a plant-based frozen food subscription service in the UK. JP is a serial entrepreneur passionate about building businesses that solve major global problems. He founded Africa's first and fastest growing mobile bank, Mshwari, which now has more than 30 million users, most of whom previously had no access to a bank account, and issues more than 100,000 new loans each day. He also founded an award-winning retail health chain, Penda Health, in Kenya, bringing a new model for affordable mass-market healthcare to East Africa. After returning to the UK, he started All Plants with his brother Alex in January 2016, soft-launching the first range of frozen plant-based meals to family and friends before rolling out the subscription-based service nationwide in January 2017. In May last year, All Plants secured £800,000 funding from Felix Capital. This was the first time the Venture Capital Fund had invested in a plant-based startup and the largest amount raised for a European plant-based startup to date. In this interview, JP talks about the importance of testing concepts before committing to and launching a new business, the innovative way all plants carried out recipe tests, the dangers of relying on grants or competitions to fund your business and why you shouldn't think of them as free money, how all plants managed to raise £800,000 in investment funding, the most important thing you must have in place before approaching investors, how to know when you're ready for investment and the ideal situation to be in when preparing to do this, why he decided to make the company a B Corp, why talking openly and endlessly about your project in the early stages rather than keeping your ideas a secret is the key to success and attracting the right connections, and much more. Here's the interview with Jonathan Petridis from All Plants. Hello JP and welcome to the show. It's great having you on. Hey, Katrina. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) No, very uh, excited to speak with you because you've got such an interesting and diverse business background and you've been involved in a number of groundbreaking businesses, which we'll find out a little bit more about. But your latest is All Plants. So tell us a little bit, because I always ask this, the very first question I ask all my guests is the why. Why do you do what you do and why are you doing All Plants? Well, thanks for asking, Katrina. I I guess um, the... The journey for myself and my brother, Alex, uh, which started just over two years ago, uh, was one driven initially by utter frustration and um, a a belief that there could be something better. So we were both, you know, living and eating a vegan lifestyle um, and loved to cook. So we knew, given what we could create at home, just how delicious and nourishing uh, meals you could make from all sorts of colourful grains, vegetables, uh, etc. But we just found that there was simply nobody making that easy for you when you were busy, whether that meant you were on the go or you just didn't have time in an evening or morning to, to put something together. Um, and so we started searching and, 
you know, experimenting. And that took us to New York, particularly, which blew our little minds at that point. <laughs> uh, and we were like, wow, this is the future. You know, if, ever, like, if this is here, like, why can't we all have access to that? And imagine just how inspired um, so many more people would be to eat more plants and start making that shift and moving animal agriculture off their plate. Uh, so we're like, well, this, this is a no-brainer. We need to make delicious, creative food more accessible to everyone. Because uh, we believe that's what's going to uh, ignite change. Um, and, and that's kind of what we've been working on ever since. Fantastic. And, you know, and I love that because, you know, it's interesting, you know, I don't know what it is about guys like, or, or guys of particular age, you sort of millennial guys, because it's you and the Bosch guys, like you all love cooking, which is fantastic. <laughs> I'm completely the opposite. I'm almost, almost allergic to kitchens, like the least time I can spend in the kitchen as possible. I'm happy. So I love the fact that this kind of thing is, is happening because there are, you know, like people like me who literally just, you know, I, I just prefer to spend my time doing other things. And so I think it's such an, an innovative idea. Um, and the easier we make it for people to eat plants plant-based and live vegan the better so I love what you guys are doing and I love that your business was born out of a need and there was a gap in the market which uh, you filled which is absolutely well, you're, well you're not you're not unusual Katrina by the way I think you're actually more <laughs> typical right and 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 the thing is that you know I was actually I was chatting to some friends last night and um what we what we're finding and you know we we've we've spoken to thousands and thousands of people across the UK now uh, continuously to understand uh, what we believe is a journey that everyone is on, um, and you know it's it's a journey from what is kind of like the classic typical omnivorous Western diet to something new. Um, but the challenge is that it's it feels like such a massive paradigm shift for people in terms of what do I do at home? How do I how do I cook for my family or how do I cook for myself? Um, and if you don't have the time or the energy or particularly the interest in experimenting in your kitchen, you're completely yeah. stuck. Yeah. Um, and that's a real blocker for so many people who actually, as I would put it, they've got the will. They're compelled by whatever it might be, ethical reasons, environmental reasons, health reasons. They really want to do something, but they just don't know the way and they need help to find those new ways absolutely i mean i eat the yeah. same thing pretty much every day which is basically a salad at lunch a fresh fruit smoothie at breakfast and then either some soup or a, a casserole that i'll have either me or if I can persuade my partner to make like three or yeah. four weeks worth of lentil and vegetable. <laughs> yeah. So I eat the same. And for most people, they're like, oh my God, you eat the same thing. But I'm a really good lunch and dinner guest because I love, I'm so grateful to have something oh, yeah. different to eat, you know, or going out to <laughs> eat occasionally. So definitely can resonate. So tell us about, because I know you've got a strong business background, but obviously each business is different. And um, mm. what were some of your challenges when you, you faced, when you were first started up the business? And I know you're still a very new company, you're still in startup phase, but what were some of the the challenges in actually getting the business off the ground so i think i mean as as with absolutely any uh early stage founder the first and most important thing is to once you've buttoned down on the problem you're trying to solve is how are we going to how are we actually going to impact this and, and make a big difference um and you know with a view to as i explained earlier trying to make delicious creative food available to everyone um and exciting for, for them uh, initially we, were, we couldn't really work out whether that meant building a restaurant chain uh writing recipe books or you know something else in, in between and uh so i think first of all doing a lot of uh, testing of concepts uh, is what got us to the point where we realized actually it would be madness to spend uh the next year working hard to just open the doors to a single restaurant that can only serve a very limited number of people from a small radius. Right. Why don't we try to build a restaurant for the nation? 
Um, and that's, you know, that was an amazing step that it took us quite a while to work out. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of technological challenges and operational challenges that we had to work through to realize that. Most importantly, how to create really awesome uh, handmade food and then keep it and deliver it to doorsteps all over the UK um, in, a, in a state that meant it was still great and easy to enjoy. And so that's how we uh, kind of found our way into the amazing world of freezing <laughs> uh, which, is, which is honestly, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, the thing that um, we get asked a lot now because we're getting a lot of uh, supermarkets, uh, the big ones and the small ones coming to us and saying, hey, like we need more exciting plant-based food in, the, in our aisles. Can you, like, when are you ready? We want it. Oh, um, cool. and, the, and the encouragement often is, is, you know, and we'd love you in our fridge. We want it chilled. Um, but the problem with if, 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 if you take any prepared meal and put, and, and imagine you or I, or, Perhaps not you, Katrina, maybe your partner, <laughs> cooking, it, cooking it at home. Um, in order for that to be available in a fridge anywhere around the country, it needs to have all sorts of other weird preservatives added uh, to keep it at least uh, available for four or five days. Whereas with sure. freezing, you, you literally cook a beautiful meal and the freezing itself is the preservative. Um, you don't need to add anything unnatural. Uh, and so anyway, so that was, that was, you know, that was the big challenge. And then after that, it's all about execution. And for us, you know, execution is basically finding brilliant people who uh, are passionate about what you're doing and have got the expertise or the drive, uh, or sometimes both, uh, to, to throw themselves at the daily challenges that you encounter while you're trying to make something uh, come out of nothing. Got it. So did you sort of work with experts who already knew how to, like, with, like I'm guessing there are non-vegan meal delivery services in the UK. So did you sort of get the expertise of people like that, that, that knew what the, what systems needed to be in place and how that, that could be executed? Yeah. yeah so I, I'm a, I'm a great believer in uh, not reinventing things that already exist. Uh, the idea of standing on the shoulders of giants and, and, and taking learnings that exist and then repurposing them. So in the first six months, I tried, I did my best to try and meet with every single person who'd ever built any meal delivery business uh, in the UK and in the US, where fortunately uh, a guy who used to work for me in uh, Kenya uh, was at Blue Apron, um, which is the HelloFresh of, of the States. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and that was actually, it was through Shazad uh, that we actually found our insulation solution. Uh, they were using it to keep uh, fish and meat cuts fresh in their recipe boxes uh, for 24 to 48 hours in transit. Um, and we then through that found this material that's compostable uh, and made of recycled materials that actually keeps our food frozen for 24 to 36 hours uh, when shipped in ambient vans, which means we don't have to have uh, you know, high high cost and high environmental footprint frozen vehicles going all over the country. Which was oh, really nice. Nice. So, yeah, so it's yeah. all about tracking down those experts and, and, uh, and, and, and buying them a juice or a coffee and saying, hey, please, like, this is what we're doing. How would you go about it? Got it. Got it. No, I love that. No, that's important. And I guess that you, you mentioned sort of the keeping the, the cost down as well as being environmentally conscious. So I want to talk mm. to you a little bit about um, funding and uh, capital raising, because I know this is something you've had experience with with your other businesses. Um, so can you just tell us um, a, a little bit about the different types of funding you've used for your various businesses, sort of how you went about it, what the results were and, and what you learned? 
Well, this is, uh, I'm going to try and be really brief about this because it's a real, I mean, there's so much to this world. Um, uh, and it's probably worth me just briefly explaining, Katrina, what the, the couple of other uh, ventures I've built previously. So one, um, the first one that where I kind of, after having spent two or three years in the professional world in kind of management consulting, I decided I wanted to try to create something uh, to have impact. And that took me to Kenya um, with a vision to try to provide a uh, low cost and easy to access banking solution for the 90% of people who didn't have a bank account. Now that sounds like, why does everyone need a bank account? But actually the ability to save and borrow in really, really small increments uh, is genuinely life-changing for in an instance where you previously haven't been able to do that in a safe and a reliable way. Yeah. Um, and so we did that and we said, well, everyone's got mobile phones, let's do it through mobile. Now that was a big undertaking and, and that whole venture, we uh, funded it through a combination of innovation R&D grants um, and development grants. And so oh. the, that, that, the early stage, like the concept development. So, and, and we did, we raised that off the back of a uh, paper-based kind of proposal uh, and a good team um, and went to organizations like DFID uh, in the UK who uh, fund uh, particularly the extension of financial services, like bank, effectively it's like a uh, trying to provide banking services for the lowest, uh, lowest decile of the pyramid globally. Um, and then also worked with MasterCard Foundation uh, and, and a few other kind of similar groups like that. Um, then uh, a second venture that that that's you know that's now actually owned and run by a bank and mobile operator in uh, Kenya and it's it's you know it found uh, its its niche and it's now you know serving thirty million plus people a day. Wow, which is, that's amazing! And by the way, that did not that was not easy to realise, and we actually had to shut down the first version that we were building of it because of running out of money and not having the right regulatory clearances and all. That's a whole story we could go into. Right, um, wow. The second, and then the second venture is uh, Penda Health. So uh, here we, uh, we, in a similar way, uh, found having lived in Kenya, myself and a couple of friends for three to four years, that it was absolutely incredible that the top kind of two or 3% of the population had access to the best healthcare I've ever experienced in my life. Oh. But everyone else, uh, it was an unbelievable, it was like a crapshoot. Like you just didn't know what you were going to get. And we found that uh, two thirds of people, when you ask them, would you go back to the uh, last doctor you went to see, would say no, because they didn't trust them. They didn't feel like they'd been treated well. Uh, they didn't, they had to wait for hours, etc. cetera. Um, and so we wanted to create a, uh, the, the friendliest, most affordable and highest quality uh, family healthcare provider uh, across Kenya. And so, and that means building clinics uh, or medical centers uh, as they are now. Uh, and that is, uh, first of all, given that the three of us had never worked in healthcare, uh, quite a bit <laughs> undertaking. Uh, yeah. So initially we, for that, raised um, kind of family and friends funding to open our very first clinic, which actually on Valentine's Day, we opened seven years ago. Um, wow. And then, and then after that, we genuinely spent, and, and this is largely one of the things I was focused on, about 18 to 24 months scrabbling around, trying to win competitions, applying for development grants, uh, we put together a convertible debt uh, kind of seed round because nobody would give us equity because we were so risky and, you know, uh, and, and, and so we were literally cobbling together whatever uh, funds we could find to, to be able to continue to uh, prototype 
and try to create a new model for healthcare in Africa. Uh, and it took us took us a good three years, maybe three and a half years, to reach the point where we actually felt that we'd created a great service model. Uh, we had shown uh, big impact, uh, and then at that stage, we were able to then go down the more conventional route of raising oh, um, equity investment. Um, so wow. it was, right. yeah, so that was that. It's interesting. So quite some learning curves that I'm, I'm hearing there. So you, you've really kind of got that. So what advice then would you give to other entrepreneurs, given what you've experienced and what you've, you've learned, particularly with those two ventures before we go on to talk about all plants? I, so yeah, going, going into all plants, actually, I had a very clear, um, few clear beliefs one of them is that it's, it's so vitally important that you only work with people who are truly aligned to your vision and that's that's number one and that is not negotiable uh, it's and i've seen that be very problematic uh both for my in in these ventures uh but then in for so many friends uh ventures uh as well and it and it, and it causes so much stress but also can can genuinely take things in the wrong direction and, and kind of uh yeah. ruin everything sure. and, the second piece, yeah. and the second piece is that you know i've just talked about the fact that we were literally cobbling things together uh that can lead you to a place where you're running around chasing your tail endlessly. <laughs> i could and just problem... picture that as you were describing that i, I could almost feel the tension like all yeah, the stress yeah. that you must have felt doing it was. that <laughs> it was genuinely was katrina and like you know and for quite a while in the early days of penda health the edge of the runway as you refer to it so that's like how many months worth of cash do you have to continue rolling was never more than six months away and it was often a lot closer than that um and that doesn't really afford you the space and uh ability to plan ahead and to really focus on your problem that you're trying to solve and the customer you're trying to serve um because that's the second thing that i was i think is really important to always remember that Okay, you know, for example, trying to, uh, in the early days, only go and get grants and win competitions, etc., seems like a great way to approach it because a lot of people refer to it as free money, in inverted commas. <laughs> but, but it's not because actually it takes so much effort uh, to, to go about and it, uh, applying to lots of these things. Um, and then it also takes a lot of effort to report to them because often what they're interested in are metrics that are different from the metrics that are core to the salute, the problem you're trying to solve. Uh, so it can create its own industry. And so, you know, and it's so important in the early stages that all you're focused on is trying to create something that people want um, and, and really be very focused on your product and on your, you know, on who your customer is and how to, how to delight everyone. Uh, Cause that's what matters. Mm, I love that. That's such good advice about the grants and the um, uh, the, you know, the development grants and everything. Because, like you say, yeah, you've got it. People think it's free in terms of your time. It really isn't, mm. is it? And then you've got to wait as well. Like I've had friends that have applied for grants, and then you've just got to kind of got to sit back and yeah. wait because it might be oh. months that you've got to wait, and then yeah. it might be a no, or like you say, you've got to jump through hoops, and then you've got to yeah. do all the paperwork. Um, so that's interesting. I'm really glad that you you've said that because I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of think, great, yeah, let's go for a grant and this, that, and the other. So exactly. I'm glad that you've given a reality check. So then with all plants then, so how did you do things differently? I mean, I know that with all plants, you actually secured, I think it was 800,000 UK pounds, which I believe was one of, if not the largest investment in a plant-based company in Europe. So tell us a bit about how you did things differently with all plants and a bit about the um, investment and how you got it. Sure. Um, well, so first of all, uh, in the first year, uh, we 
we bootstrapped it. So we, my brother and I uh, funded everything that we did. Uh, we obviously had to survive on, uh, you know, fumes and hummus uh, to keep ourselves <laughs> alive. Um, and we also had to, you know, really uh, convince anyone from a company who was, we were trying to buy a, a domain name from or a law firm who were helping us write up our articles association or the, uh, the, the agency and team who we built our first website with that, um, it, you know, that, that this was going to be something really big and so they should do it for a really small amount because they could have big impact, et cetera. So you really have to be very, very sweat every single uh, situation to try and, you know, really, really be very lean. Uh, and that's what we had to do. And, you know, when you're, when you're spending your own money and you don't have a lot of it, you, you really make damn sure for that. Of that. Um, yeah. And JP, and, were, and you, the, were you and Alex working like a day jobs or had you like sort of got enough savings, I, if you don't mind me asking, like to, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. for you to manage totally. to, to be able to do that? Totally. So I, um, I was full time from, uh, from around March 16 and, um, and my brother was, uh, actually in the, in the process of, uh, a couple of major projects at where he was previously working, which is a, a company called Propercorn. Uh, oh yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're, they're kind of, they were growing all across Europe and they were, uh, he was leading the close of a new round that they were uh, raising there too. So he kind of had to stick around for six months and was kind of evenings and weekends with me and running the supper clubs and getting involved in the rescue development. Um, and then he was able to leave around September. Uh, and in the meantime, we had a, a few uh, development chefs join me in the kitchen and interns join us uh, and, you know, we're gradually kind of building things like that. Um, so super bootstrapped all the way through. And then, and then, yeah. And, we we the key for us was that we had to get to a point where we truly prototyped uh, and piloted what we were saying we were going to build to be able to then show this is what it is uh, and that was true for the food and for the what i talked about earlier the actual delivering to doorsteps around the country selling online um the whole shebang it's kind of a simulation of what we wanted to become right. uh, and so we launched that in october 16 uh, and then Kind of, I, I suppose as a result of that, we were able to then say, okay, let's we take a breath in now. That's kind of working, <laughs> although it was chaos behind the scenes, um, you know, to, to actually to fulfil that. But um, you know, and, and from that point, we then said, okay, well, uh, during that period, we were making sure to share and check in with all of our advisors or any previous mentors, etc., and uh, you know, and prime them for the fact that, of course, you know, this was something we would love for them to be part of. And so then, you know, we kind of started that conversation. And uh, and the, the crazy thing was that initially we planned, we we figured that, you know, this is we're crazy early stage. We haven't even officially launched. We've only sold a few hundred um, so parcels, and uh, and so we'll probably need to raise just a very small amount to then get to the next proof stage. Um, but the it was incredible. The the kind of uh, the impetus that was created uh, when we started having the conversation took us to a point where, where we'd initially planned to raise around 150 to 200 K. It kind of just got vastly oversubscribed very quickly um, with people who we already knew really well from a variety of different uh, professional and personal um, relationships. And, and, you know, so we very quickly said, okay, hang on a second, uh, maybe we should adjust our goal and, um, and make this something slightly more, um, that gives us a slightly longer 
run at the next phase. And so we kind of, we, we adjusted things through the next few months as we were then making sure that everyone were, they were the right people. That was the other thing that, that was a key part of that phase. So kind of, as we were having those conversations, we were realizing that this is, this is exciting, but also we really need to make sure that every single person or, uh, or, or group of people who are getting involved here really get our values and our, our ethics um, and what we want this brand and this, and this whole uh, mission to become. Um, so we were very, very clear about that up front with everyone. And we also realized that just saying it didn't really maybe do enough. And so we, we decided to take it to the next level by um, starting the process of becoming a B Corp. Uh, and that, most importantly, as a first step, meant building into our articles of association, literally into the legal documents that enshrine what All Plants is and, and how it works, um, where we changed the uh, typical clause around what the shareholders' responsibilities are, which is in 99.9% of companies globally is to maximise profit. Yeah. Uh, and we changed that to um, a balance between delivering returns on profit uh, on for people and for planet. And that um, and, and, and those terms are something you can actually get from the B Corp. Uh, actually, I, we can talk about B Corp, by the way, separately, but, you know, the, the, the benefit corporation uh, movement have written these terms and they make it very easy for you to incorporate them. And that was fantastic because it meant that we knew everyone was signing up for something that uh that was you know that was very clear and there was no there was no confusion which was really helpful yeah for sure now i think the, the b corps are really interesting i had on the with the veg fest uk um panels that i hosted i actually had mm. um someone from b corp there to talk about that like the importance of it or the, the benefits of it and again i know you have to sort of there's some reporting involved but like you say it can really kind of prevent um some things going all right down the track that someone can't just turn around and say oh you're not making enough money you need to add fish to your products and you know if you <laughs> if you've got that kind of built in you know you're you're attracting the right people so i think that's that's probably yes. a good argument for for going down that route even though there's extra it's an extra hoop to jump through and paperwork and what have you but when you're running a business for good or a mission driven business these and you're looking for investors um that's really important and so it's interesting that you already kind of had made those connections um with with those people so I'm curious, what would what advice would you use that, uh, or would you offer someone who perhaps didn't necessarily have those connections that you had? Um, how would they go about, you know, getting to a point where they feel like they're ready for investment? Um, and perhaps you can speak to how do you know when you're ready for invest or when does a company know it's ready for investment? And how would they go about sort of almost going at it cold, I suppose, to so say they, they really don't know any investors per se at the moment? Yeah, uh, lots of questions. So I'm going to try and get, I'll, I'll try and approach. I'd say there's three things in there. So the first one, um, when do you know you're ready? Being very practical is when you're about to, you know, when you look and see that you're about to run out of money, and so you better do something about this. Uh, but the I, ideal situation to be in, um, so a slight derivative of that, is that you've managed to conserve uh, your cash to allow yourself for the first stage of funding to get to the point where you have a proof of concept and where you've proven this is something that people want. That's the most important thing at the early stage. Right. Uh, if, you, if you can prove that and you can show some data to say, hey, look, uh, we've, you know, we've, we've created something and we've proven that people are interested in it and, uh, and ideally that, that some of them come back already. 
that that's the most important thing in the early stage. If you can show that, um, and at the same time you are you've already obviously very thoughtfully uh, gone into a space where you think there's an opportunity to really have an impact because there's a, a big empty space that needs uh, addressing. Um, then that 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 should be very compelling. Right. Um, in terms of in terms of kind of uh, the the other thing, yeah. The, in terms of like, well, what do I do if I don't know anyone? I guess from the outset, when you are starting to work on an idea, uh, one of the things that I think uh, I couldn't encourage enough is a lot of people think that you if the best thing to do is to sit on your idea. Don't tell anyone. Keep it cloak and dagger. Keep it to your chest uh, because someone else might nab it. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I couldn't disagree with that more. Um, the value you get from openly talking endlessly and sometimes too much and people complaining, <laughs> but endlessly about what you're trying to do and the challenges and the, the vision and, 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 and just continuously trying to find the right people to advise you, to input on it, to maybe come and work with you, to maybe become your co-founder, whatever it is, um, is the best way to then, almost in an organic way, build a, a bubble, a network around this idea of people who are interested and want to help and want to support it. And the more you do that in the early stages, first of all, the more likely you are to get to a proof of concept stage. But secondly, that you can be guaranteed will almost organically spawn. Oh, by the way, you know, when you get to the right stage, I should totally introduce you to so-and-so because they, you know, they, they, uh, they, love, in, they love supporting founders building things like this, or they know... Um, these guys who run a fund who tend to work on this space. Or, and it's only by uh, socialising the work you're doing and the idea that you're able to spawn those connections. I love um, that. Such good advice. Such good advice. And you're right, you know, people do tend to go, oh, well, if I say say what I'm doing, people will steal it. And I know that's the thing in Hollywood. But, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> like you say, if you if you don't put it out there, then, then yeah, those people won't come into your life. And even if, you know, because somebody will always know somebody. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. That's really um, brilliant um, advice there. So just on the marketing um, side of mm. things, so we're in the midst of this plant-based revolution. Um, so obviously there's now more players in in the arena and uh you know particularly in your line of business in the plant-based delivery service uh, you're probably i don't know if you're the only one in the uk or i think there's at least another one that started perhaps after you so how do you mm-hmm. go about standing out um and because there's also um other companies like non-vegan companies literally kind of jumping on the vegan bandwagon and cashing in mm-hmm. on the trend so how do you go about standing out both uh, uh, against other vegan businesses or plant-based businesses and mainstream businesses and maintaining customers? Sure. Well, first of all, we, I'm so, uh, and so is our whole team, so excited by the way that there's uh, this, you know, you could almost refer to it as a gold rush, which is fantastic. <laughs> and to be honest, you know, a lot of people get uh, concerned about the idea of non-vegan run businesses starting to serve the, and, and create solutions for the problem. Um, uh, so for example, they might be making a cheese that, uh, substitutes for, you know, uh, some, uh, some people's addiction to cheese to help them move off dairy and onto plant-based or, or milks or meals or whatever it is. And, you know, I say, given our thesis on the problem, the more options that are quality and available, the better it is for the expansion of more plant-based living. And so, you know, first of all, it's super exciting to see. Um, we're really hype about it. In terms of for us or for anyone, um, 
in when when you're uh, when you're creating something to uh, for, for your customers, either for new or for existing, the most important thing for us in food is our is our food is our products. Um, our food has to be excellent, and we spend uh, enormous amounts of time every day really perfecting and refining our recipes. Um, and making sure that the, the the flavors and the spicings and the herbs and the uh, richness of a sauce or the way that we roast and tear the jackfruit, um, that all of these things are done to the best level. Uh, and, the, and one of the fan, most fantastic things for us is that because we are direct to our uh, every single All Plants member, uh, we're able to find out actually if we've done a good job, a great job, or actually if we've done a bad job. Yeah, and, yeah. And learn from it. Um, and so that... That's super important for us, and and uh, not just focusing on the excellence of our product, but also um, we believe that one of the most exciting things about this space is the fact that it is genuinely one of the uh, for the, for a long for, for like decades now. This is suddenly uh, a culinary frontier that's exploding. There's so much innovation happening, mm. and um, most people don't see it. Most people aren't living in Hackney. And uh, able to pop to, you know, <laughs> yeah. five different uh, pop-up vegan markets at the weekend, um, and so we believe our role is to 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 really bring that kind of frothy excitement of new culinary excellence uh, and make it available much more broadly. And are um, you at the stage, JP, you know, where you making everything, or are you outsourcing the manufacture? Oh yeah, really good question. So we've. We it's over, just over a year ago now where we uh, we built our first kitchen, um, and that has been uh, something we've we've been growing into over the last year. And we've actually expanded it twice. We've got very lucky that next door units have been available, and then we've kind of ex- grown the kitchen as we've gone. Um, and so we make every single meal um, at all plants, and we also you know design and develop every single recipe. Um, and that's not something that's going to change. Uh, so this year we'll be, uh, we're already hunting for, and we will be developing and launching our phase two kitchen, um, to allow us to, you know, continue to make both more of the same, but then a lot broader variety of, uh, of meals and, and of eats that we think can excite and ignite more plant power people but it's um, not just you and alex physically making every single order though, is it so you've <laughs> no. got staff that yeah you can't just oh like, sorry yeah yeah oh, of course yeah so we so yeah we, we've we've um <laughs> we've just got we're we've got such a brilliant team we're just amazing people uh, uh across the board not just in our kitchen but beyond that but but in our kitchen i mean I, so i was uh, for example yesterday running the kitchen um and we have around 15 to 17 uh, chefs and staff in the kitchen, all fantastically trained uh, and just just really passionate about making great food every time. Um, Perfect. So you've and, decided you know, to keep it in-house rather than outsource the, absolutely. the making of it. Cool. It's the most important thing. We like The idea of us just being a recipe designer and then doing a bit of branding and marketing, uh, it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere close to us being able to realize and impact uh you know the world and inspire the next billion plant power people as we as we set out to do got it now i know you're big on collaboration uh and that's quite a bit of a buzzword now in marketing circles um and i know you know you team up with lots of people that are interested in in the same sort of thing so can you just talk Mm. a little bit about the importance of collaboration and how it's benefited all plants 
Absolutely, yeah. So um, one of the one of the really exciting things about this space is that there's there's just uh, you know actually funnily enough you you started talking off uh, earlier about the amount of kind of effectively competition that you could think that there is, but the reality is that we're all working towards the same goal and um, we are all uh, trying our best to effectively convince and inspire a whole uh, country at the moment for us in the UK and then a whole world into the awesomeness of plant-powered living. Um, and so, you know, we, we really don't think that we, we should be or, or can be a single voice in that. Uh, we, we believe there's a brilliant dialogue going on and there's so many people uh, who are inventing um, awesomeness from a food perspective or from a, you know, fashion perspective or a lifestyle perspective. Also who are just translating these things into something really easy to follow. Uh, so there's a number of our most dedicated customers who are um, PTs with Reebok CrossFit or they do private physical training and they are designing um, health and wellness programs for their, you know, for their clients that are all around plant-based living. And so we, we really want to celebrate uh, all of these people, all of these creators and makers and doers in the space and uh, allow them to either through and with all plants or just talk about what they're doing on all plants to show uh, all of the amazing work that's going on. So that's, you know, so that's been great. And um, you, you mentioned uh, some of our good friends earlier, for example, like the, the Bosch, Bosch boys. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, and Henry and Ian uh, in the first year of all plants were super, super involved uh, with us. Uh, and, and we continue to work together very closely and have a lot of fun doing it. And there's, and, and, you know, there's only positive things that can come from that. So we're, we feel really lucky that what we're, what we're trying our best to do is create a platform where either through um, our food or through tips and nourishing inspiration, people can kind of learn more to fuel their journey into plant power. Um, Cause it's not an easy path. And so the more we can provide there, the easier we can make, make it. Absolutely. Now, you've been using the term plant-based. Your company's called All Plants. And I ask people this question as well. And I've actually just uh, written an article. It's just been published on Forbes with this very question. Should you use the word vegan or plant-based? and Or how prominently should you use it? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? One of the earliest pieces that we had clarity on was that we believe that the, the V word if you like, yes, yeah. uh, is, is, is steeped in so many um, legacy preconditions and pre-programmed beliefs that are going to be, we believe that they're far too hard for us to change the dialogue on. Um, whether it's uh, the perspective that everything's so bland and boring uh, and weird whether it's that it's judgmental and pious uh, and kind of like hippie sandal wearing, uh, or whether it's this newer version, which is kind of like clean eating and holier than thou. Um, we, you know, we, 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 we found through speaking to you know, thousands of people that it is actually a turnoff. And I have to admit, Katrina, when, when I was a vegetarian, uh, if someone said to me, oh, do you want to go check out this vegan restaurant? I genuinely, I, I've said in the past years ago, I would say, I don't know about vegan. It's a bit, you know, that's not really my thing, which is bizarre now. You know, when I, when I think about it now, it's just like, well, what was I talking about? But that's because I had these preconceptions. Yeah. And because it had this like weird negative connotations. And so 
and so for us um I, I, so for us we realized that we were, one of the things we really wanted to achieve was to kick out that whole dialogue of oh this is boring this is bland this isn't cool and aspirational it's you know etc uh, and and reset that whole uh, conversation and actually um you know plant-based is one way to talk about it um we actually far more now talk about plant-powered um and actually that that's that's where the name all plants came from we we it started as a project name and we just found that it was a really easy way that genuinely when i go into a restaurant and then i say oh sorry have you got any all plants meals uh and it often the, the waiter's <laughs> like sorry what and i'm saying you know anything that's that's purely made of plants and they're like okay let me and it and it and it often avoids them getting their back up and being like oh flipping vegans you know yeah, so yeah. um so so for us we think it's really important to try to redefine the uh, dialogue and you know in some ways uh from an informational perspective, it's really important that we make sure that everyone knows, by the way, everything we make is 100% like cool for vegans. Like, don't, don't worry, there's nothing. Like, yeah. this, is, yeah. this, is a, this is fully vegan, like, don't worry about it. But we don't want to be uh, leading with that from a you know, brand and communication perspective because yeah. it makes it more accessible. Got it. And, we, and, and our role, we believe, is to try to um, bring in the, you know, if, if people say that the UK has 500,000 vegans, which is definitely way lower than the truth now, if the people say that, then fine, we're, we're trying to get the other, you know, 59.5 million people to start eating a little bit more plants uh, and convince them that that's a cool thing and a healthy thing and a delicious thing to do. Yeah, got it. So final couple of questions to wrap up. No, that's great. I love getting people's perspectives on that because there's, there's lots of different um, responses what was depending it, what on was the, the time of the business. Um, and what was what was the overall, like, did you have a, an overall outcome from that article? Before, no, so? I mean, basically I ask everyone on the podcast, I, I've got a whole chapter about it in my book and there's so many different perspectives. So it depends on the type of yeah. business, whether it's a food yeah. product, whether it's a service provider. I'll send you, I'll send you a link to the article, mm. but it was very yeah. different. It all comes down to to yeah, your audience and your mission and everything. So uh, yeah, Absolutely. so no, I love I love what you said there. So just final couple of questions. So can you just talk a, a little bit about some of the marketing strategies you use to grow all plants? Because I think one of the things you mentioned was supper clubs, which is kind of quite unusual and interesting. So can you just talk a little bit about the marketing strategies you use to raise the profile of all plants? Absolutely. So supper clubs was uh, what we spent the majority of our time doing in the first year because it was a way to... Um, very quickly recipe develop and recipe test and then observe people while they were eating our food uh, and see genuinely what did they talk about what did they like what didn't they like and it was and it was also a lot of fun uh, but flipping exhausting and, yeah, I can uh, imagine would it be expensive yeah. like hiring venues and stuff like that so it sounds we, like a so perfect we, way to do it yeah so we managed to um uh, 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 one of my neighbors uh, very close to where I live she runs a cafe she's an absolute legend she was totally up for us basically moonlighting after dark in her oh, place sweet. for free okay. and um you know and, and and doing it just just because it was fun and you know, obviously we did all the work and, and she gave us the space so cool so again that comes back to like being really scrappy and bootstrappy and just you know trying to yeah, find yeah. ways to make things happen so that was it that was uh really important as a kind of product development thing um and then you know in in terms of uh so who did you Marketing. get along to them? Like, were they just family yeah. and friends or could friends started ask as, their friends? Yeah, exactly. Started as family and friends uh, and basically kind of almost popping up at any family event and just taking over and feeding 30 people all of our meals. Hopefully. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. 
Um, but then and, after that, we and did you we find wanted, sorry? Did you did you find yeah. they were honest with you? Because you know you can imagine like if it's family and friends, they might and you've you've made something. It's quite hard to actually tell someone you like or you love actually, and you don't like this or it's too salty. Did you find that they were prepared to be honest with you? I tell you what, if you met my mother, you wouldn't be worried about that at all. Oh, really? Uh, she, there's, there's no holds barred. Like we, I get, I get phone call. We get emails from, you know, that our parents are obviously on a subscription, and they, they all, if, if one of the dishes has changed slightly, we will hear about it. Oh, really? So like, yeah. Funny. Okay. Cool. Yeah, which is really helpful. That's exactly what you need and want. So um, yeah. Okay. But then, but then, you know, and then we gradually uh, expanded it and started asking people to invite a group of people we didn't even know and didn't know anything about us. Uh, and so we were doing um, kind of guest supper clubs for uh, whole crowds of kind of twelve to fifteen people, and then not even we'd only introduced what we were and what we were doing afterwards, so that they weren't influenced during, oh, and everyone was fitting cool. out these little um kind of notes cards during and discussing the meals yeah so that was that was really 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 fun and were they um, mainly and, vegan or vegetarian or omnivores or did you have a mix a, yeah a real mix um deliberately we wanted to we wanted to make sure we had uh, a good representative of vegan and veggies so we definitely had more than your typical population represented um but then we had tons of you know uh just omnivores and and you know i guess the audience that i always refer to as plant curious who yeah yeah uh you know who are just kind of they yeah sometimes i eat veggie or vegan but you know i also like a bit of this and that so and then you know that that's those are the people we really wanted to hear the opinion of and are we are we really convincing them as well yes yeah um yeah so that was a lot of fun and then since that you know we've we really haven't started uh doing what i I would call kind of proper programmatic growth and like really buttoning down on you know your classic marketing channels and doing you know working hard on it and that's that's because in the in last year our whole focus has been about uh making a brilliant product and and trying to create something that people love and 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 prove that uh that's that's a fact and so during that period uh, the majority of our marketing has been um organic it's been word of mouth uh it's been through working with communities you talked about collaborations so you know Matthew and Jane at Veganuary. Uh, we've we've we love them to bits, and we've they've, they're fantastic, and we've uh, worked closely with them with the Meat Free Monday crew, uh, with a number of other brands uh, who are not specifically vegan, but they're serving that space. So, for example, Wheels Vegan Shoes, um, and and then you know and beyond that, uh, just kind of trying to start building a bit of a, a presence on you know the various social channels and and taking it from there. Got it. Got it. So, with the eight hundred k investment, was that was that used to develop product, or have you still got some of that left to like do marketing with? Yeah. So that um, we all sorts really. I mean, the, that that was uh, funding to allow us to invest in team in building the kitchen and the right. warehousing distribution centre out, like growing those. Um, in, as you've mentioned, continuing to develop new recipes and innovate into new uh, categories um, and to then just give us the, uh, the time to really build a movement um, and build a following. Um, and so we're going to be continuing to do that uh, through the rest of this year. Um, and we're, you know, we're really excited about that because uh, we can now, uh, as I said, you know, really start to kind of um, experiment with uh, more deliberate and programmatic growth. Uh, and there's and and start to have uh, a much bigger impact. Last year, uh, at the close of the year, we found that we'd 
pre- it almost served in total 100,000 meals. Which, oh, wow. That's uh, amazing. It's kind of, yeah, we just, when we looked at the numbers, we were like, whoa, that's, <laughs> how do we make all that food? That's insane. Um, <laughs> And, and the exciting thing is that it's speeding up, you know, like this, this month will be around 20,000 uh, meals in, in January. And so, you know, think things, uh, as, as with any early stage startup, really start to uh, hit a growth curve. Um, and so we're just trying to make sure that we're building a brilliant team of, of really passionate, talented uh, people who are on our mission and want to really impact the world and, and make a difference. Uh, and, and then, you know, keep focusing on, creating fantastic food and exciting people wonderful fantastic i think that's a really good place to to end so mm. um that's amazing thank you so much um jonathan you shared some really a uh, jp i should say um you sent some uh, you know shared some really good intel there i think will be really helpful to other people and love what you're doing and it's all very exciting so thank you so much for joining me Thanks for having me, Katrina, all the way across the country, of the, the globe, actually. Yeah, and it doesn't sound really like it, does it? It sounds like you're just like in the next room or something. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So that was Jonathan Petridis from All Plants. You can find out more at allplants.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 98. Now for our vegan business news roundup. A vegan product has been named Best Easter Egg by UK magazine Good Housekeeping. The egg is actually a hand-painted egg-shaped box filled with hazelnut truffles by vegan brand Booja Booja. A team of 80 testers ate 142 eggs in a blind test to find the best across categories, including best for kids and best novelty eggs. The Booja Booja treat, which is also gluten-free, received the highest overall score across eight categories in the magazine's annual taste test. It won, according to the judges, because of its smooth truffle filling and elegant hand-painted velvet-lined box. Fantastic that a vegan product beat out all these other non-vegan ones. I've said this before, it's always good to enter competitions and ensure that your product is included in this kind of thing. Even if you don't win, it gets your product in front of journalists and other influencers. And of course, if you do win, you get free publicity and the kudos. Vegan lipstick brand The Lip Bar has debuted in Target stores in select cities across the US, including New York City, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Chicago and Dallas, reports Veg News. Founder Melissa Butler launched the company in 2012 while working in finance on Wall Street to fill a gap in the market for bold lipsticks for women of all skin tones. She appeared on the hit US TV show Shark Tank in 2015 to seek investment for a mobile beauty truck, but was rejected by the Sharks and told the lip bar would never become a major brand. After bootstrapping the business for six years, Butler says she's now ready for outside investment to grow the business. The Lip Bar line, which includes two shades made exclusively for Target that retail at an average price of $13, is currently available on Target.com and will expand to 100 stores by May this year. That's 2018 if you're listening in the future. 
I love this story because it shows resilience, especially in the face of such high-profile public rejection. I love that Melissa is having the last laugh, and it just goes to show that when one door closes, it's not necessarily the end of the world, and you can create other opportunities. Lovely, inspiring story. Finally, UK cheese brand Shees and US plant-based protein company Tofurky are launching in a big way in Australia this month. That's February 2018. Both brands announced partnerships with Australia's largest retailer, Woolworth, this week. She's Blocks, Slices and Shreds will be rolling out across Woolworth's stores from the 26th of February. Director Mark Crichton said, Just like the UK, plant-based is booming down under, and 2018 looks likely to set new records as more and more people awaken to the benefits of plant-based products. Meanwhile, Tofurky founder Seth Tibbet said in a video that the company is bringing four of its products, including deli slices, vegan chicken, sausages and hot dogs, to Woolworth stores nationwide as part of the supermarket chain's expanded plant-based goods section. Well, that's good news for me, (laughs) as well as for these brands. It's great to see ethical vegan brands expand and become available to even more people. And of course, it's fantastic to see major supermarket chains extending their plant-based options. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.